1: Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko.
0: Spooko is a podcast that is very aware of the problems of capitalism, I guess. It's something that's come up a lot in the most recent sort of arc of episodes. We're aware of the good bits,
1: too, because they, the, they are the privileges that surround us day to day.
0: Well, we get yeah, them. we love which them. Is <laughs> what's so cool about <laughs> But one of the things somebody raised to me recently, which I thought was really interesting, was this idea that a lot of us have internalised capitalism to such a degree that we only value our pursuits based around the achievements they get. As, as, you know, like, you know, the amount of numbers they've been listened to yes. or, you know, the awards they've yeah, won the or they the got. amount of eyes that yeah. have seen them, the likes yeah, they've yeah, got, right? You know, and, 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 and so before we go any further i would like to say that you know the things i truly value about spooko number oh, one no. I love the fact this is putting that...
1: a positive spin on some bad numbers is it
2: no no
0: no 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 no, no, no. it's not <laughs> yeah. at all i mean look our numbers are fine but i just want to say that you know the the thing the things that i truly value about mm. spooko uh, you know i love the fact that i get to spend you know half an hour to an hour each week talking to you know one yeah. of my oldest friends yeah, me too. uh which which is so amazing! Uh, I love all the interactions we have on yes. social with people who listen to the show. Like, means the world to me. Please, like, follow us on Insta, follow us on TikTok, reach out to us. Like, it's it's so cool hearing from you and chatting about horror movies. And with we're you. really
1: nice and engaged. I think people ask us questions. Like, that's you know, like, hey, cool. Like, you, like, you know, when someone <laughs> sends you a message, like, or like you message someone, they send you back a heart. Or like, yeah, man. And it's like, well, like that's fine. Like, we will actually reply. We're good.
0: Peach, is that a subtweet about how I almost never reply to you in messages? Don't, no, it's not a subtweet about you. Like, it adds to your mistake <laughs> a bit. So when I get a reply, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> sick. <laughs> it makes it exciting. But, mm. but all of that aside, mm. I'm extremely excited about two accolades that Peach, your more popular incarnation on social uh, media, yes. your legal influencing. Yep. Uh, Coffee in a case note has achieved this week number one, nominated for most influential lawyer 2021. <laughs> Peach, that's
1: amazing, isn't it? Funny, like, like most influent. Like, what does it mean? It's like, ooh, pretty. <laughs>
0: Page, I'm so excited. I just, I know this isn't a law podcast, mm. but I just thought that that accolade shouldn't go. What's the opposite of punish? Shouldn't go un, unpunished. un, uncelebrated,
1: un, 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 unmentioned, uncelebrated.
0: Um, that's the word I'm looking for.
1: The problem is they've done such a bad job managing my expectations. Like BD, were like, I will be shocked <laughs> if you don't win. It'll basically be a loss.
0: <laughs> like, oh, cool. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. But number two, you shared something this week that blew me away, Mm. that you received a message from a fellow lawyer telling you that they were starting their own social media presence.
1: no, No, this was a LinkedIn status update you saw.
0: Oh, okay, so Peach's legal presence is called Coffee and a Case Note. You know, he shares a coffee and a case note for time-poor lawyers to give them, like, a quick update on uh, important legal things that have yeah. happened. Peach, is that yeah, yeah. kind of and correct? Yeah, and I'm currently
1: the best and only lawyer who's ever been on Spooko, so that's exciting.
0: <laughs> so so this, guy, this guy creates this update that's like, I'm starting a new thing called Morning Coffee and Case or <laughs> yeah, something Morning like Coffee that. Case Law, I think it is. <laughs> morning Coffee Case Law. And Peach, like, beyond an accolade, It's pretty amazing when someone just straight up rips you off and is like, this is my way to success. How did you feel about that when you saw that? Oh,
1: it's funny. Like, as as I might have said to you, like a lot of people want to take a shot at the king and it's like, (laughs) yeah, man, like, let's fucking see. Let's see where you are three weeks into your exciting new project of every Monday morning doing a case. And then let's see where you are three weeks after that. And then come back to me when you've been doing it for three years, you fucking idiot. <laughs> so, like, every time he does one, I comment, I'm like, oh, so glad to see you're getting value from the coffee and case note formula. Delighted to kick this off. Here's a link to some stuff. I um, hope it helps you out. I'm sure your clients are getting great value from this. Best of luck. <laughs> so just every time the most prominent comment is me being like, great, so glad Jackie my idea is going well for you. Congratulations. He's done one so far.
0: So. Now, I mean, obviously, it raises some legal mm. questions. So I'm pretty excited that today on the show, we don't just have one lawyer, we have two. Ooh. And I mentioned before that it's pretty awesome spending half an hour every week having a chat with one of my oldest friends and Rob, the other lawyer who's going to join us today, uh, who we're not going to say too much about his current role, but, and I might even edit that out oh, if Rob decides not so to mention even include that one in. too. I feel like
1: it makes it so much more
0: exciting. <laughs> But, 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 uh, also, also, one of my absolute mm. oldest and dearest friends. Love you, Rob. Uh, so, it's such a pleasure to have Rob join us on the show. Now, I should say exactly why he's on the show, because um, obviously, like, the point of Spooker from the beginning, we were like, we never want to just be one of those shows where it's two guys having a chat. So... What? What I'm really excited about is we're up to episode 84 now. And the deeper you get into horror, the more you're going to come up to films that either have been banned or use being banned in an obscure country somewhere as the main part of their marketing. It's it's a big part of horror, especially in the 80s during the Video Nasty era. So I'm so excited because Rob, in his career has had some dealings with the Australian Film and Television Classification... I don't know how you pronounce it. The Australian Classification Office. And finally, I can ask a million questions about it. So, Rob, thank you so much for joining Spooko today.
3: No worries. I'm glad to be here as the least influential lawyer. (laughs) I mean like Rob this is my my little stab at immortality
0: <laughs> but Rob but Rob you're a lawyer too and like mm-hmm. I understand how human nature works mm. and you know we're all roughly the same yeah. age you see Peach getting nominated yeah. for most influential lawyer 2021. I
1: influenced you I think is what Shag's coming to. <laughs> <laughs> you
3: know, <I> that... <laughs> well I only recently joined LinkedIn so I'm just... <laughs> I'm not the best person to talk to you about it. <laughs> I joined LinkedIn under duress.
0: Well, look, 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 look. We're not going to say too much about where you mm. work, but
2: I it
3: would in Australia. love
0: to ask... It is in Australia. Today's film that we're going to be doing has been banned at some point mm. in its By time. By the way,
3: I cheated. I read the synopsis of this film early, and I hate this movie. Have, did I even tell you what the film we're going to do today yeah. is? Yeah. Is there any way to ah. chop the head off a movie?
0: Uh, i'm excited i might have changed this sometime oh. this week rob mm.
3: okay all right Mm-mm-mm. i've got those images in my head for
0: no reason oh no this one's <laughs> going to be interesting though and i'm actually super excited about if this it, one if Sorry. this switches into a review
1: of seminal oz hip-hop album from <laughs> queensland rapper lazy Gray's band in queensland i'll be pretty excited <laughs>
0: But, okay, so, so Rob, first question. Mm-hmm. Generally, films do get banned in Australia. Why generally do films get banned?
3: Well, for one thing, we don't actually have films getting banned.
0: What? But they do get banned. There's a whole Wikipedia page that says banned films.
3: So every movie, every film, before it gets advertised, sold, or shown in Australia has to be classified by the classification board. That's a requirement under laws in the Commonwealth and all the states and territories. But... If films don't meet the relevant criteria for classifications that can be shown, they then get classified, refused classification. Mm -hmm. So they're not banned. They've been classified, refused classification.
0: But then what happens to a film that's been refused classification?
3: Then it can't be advertised, shown or sold or distributed. How that works with the internet now, I don't know. <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> yeah, well, well, here's the thing, right? So in America, they do a thing where they can release something that's unrated. So they yeah. can release the unrated version of something. Can I just bypass the classifications board and just release something?
3: Uh, if, you want, if
0: you want to get a strife. Um, <laughs> oh, so that is a crime. Of,
3: of refuse classification content online. But the other thing is that in America, you've got the First Amendment. So, you got freedom of speech entitlements that we don't have in Australia. I don't know. Look, the synopsis of that film that I read, (laughs) the film that we're not going to discuss, makes me so happy (laughs) that there's things that we can't show. So, hey,
0: hey Rob, can I just double... Up? Was mm. the film I told you, were we originally going to do Father's Day or were we no. going to do Found? Found. Were we going to do... Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Both of those, my God. And both of those have since been allowed to be shown in Australia too yeah. with, like, some cuts.
3: So I think, yeah, they cut it and then they send it back to the classification board and then go back and forth, go back and forth, and then eventually they get to a situation where it's going to be able to be shown.
1: Do you... Do you get notes and make submissions? Like, so you get refused classification, and then do I go challenge it, or do I send, just send back an edited version, or do I, like do I do I get reasons for refusal that I can then dive into?
3: You can challenge it by sending it to the classification review board, and then they can be like, Nah, no way, or Yep, we'll do that. So that that's happened with a bunch of video games in the past. That video games get refused classification, and they go up and then become R eighteen. So. That's been a big shit fight over the last 10 years. You know, the second biggest government consultation, apart from the Marriage Equality Postal Survey, was whether or not Australia should have an ROT plus classification for computer games. (laughs) (laughs) So we're at the outer edge of important policy decisions here. Nice.
1: When you say we, you mean just Australia generally, just (laughs) as a very loose word. Oh,
3: Spooko.
1: Yes, Spooko's at the outer edge. I understand, yes.
2: (laughs)
0: so 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 if something gets refused classification then you're not allowed to advertise it you're not allowed to screen it you're not allowed to sell it etc etc if the, if there is a banned film in australia are you allowed to a read its wikipedia and b <laughs> share that wikipedia on a podcast like no but a legitimate question could we not with me but
3: generally yes
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right, all right. And this is a final question, and this is a big one. And, Peach, this might be one you have to answer. Is this about Weezer up, but...
1: albums?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Which ones
3: were
1: we? Is this about Suzanne versus Jamie? <laughs> it's like, something I was thinking about yesterday.
0: But I've got to ask this question because I was, I was curious about this because, you know, um, standards change. Is the Classifications Board a legal authority or is it a moral authority?
3: Well, they have to take into account the standards of morality, decency and propriety that reasonable adults have. So they 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 give a legal rating to something, but they do it on the basis of morality. So morality can be very subjective. Like, for example, you can't depict some fetishes in films. And there's a real question I would think about. I know that this is not a kink-shaming podcast, but... There are some kinks that probably should be shamed. Yes. <laughs> okay. I think, like, although
1: we are a kink-shamed podcast, I'm like, yeah, I think there are some kinks. That
3: yeah. So the classification board is a kink-shaming organisation. <laughs> I love the king shaming It's like, ooh, what's that? Ooh, what is <laughs> it's,
2: it's literally a kink-shaming
1: board. <laughs> <laughs> So, Rob, well, like, genuine legal question. Um, in relation to a crime, there are some crimes that are so bad that you cannot consent to them. Like, like, there's that, isn't there that, like, 1980s New South Wales case of White and the Queen where there's, like, a party where we're having an, an orgy and there's lots of people there and it's sort of a blood orgy and it's like, we're going to cut each other and have sex. Well,
3: there was and everyone, like, one signed a waiver round. at the start. Brown and the Crown, where they go into all this detail about all it's the Crown. Brown and the, Brown the Brown crown. And the you no, gotta no, look it up. It's this huge it's this huge case. And then they go into all this detail about all the fish hooks that we use there. And, oh,
1: yeah. And so So if
3: you want to there we are. You should read that on the podcast. Read that decision on the podcast. That'll be pretty funny. Let's silly. not read that decision on the podcast. Alright, no.
0: Final question before we get to today's film. And this is this is a straight up factual question. Mm. Can you show a real Death, Like an actual death or an actual dead person in a horror film?
3: In a horror film? Uh, Well, I guess it depends on the context. Like, did you see there's an old movie, you know, Judgment at Nuremberg? They have all that footage of the Holocaust. I mean, to be clear, to be clear, that footage was real. But if you were to ask... Some people in the US government, they might pretend that it's not that real. <laughs> yes. oh, yeah, we are a
1: Holocaust-denying, <laughs> shaming podcast, definitely. If we yeah. shame we'll... That is something we do yeah. shame.
3: Well, sorry, that's not a horror movie, but I'm sure they will. It depends on the context. So the reason why I ask that is
0: today we're doing a film that was released in 1978, but was banned in Australia up until 2007 when it got reclassified as an R18+. Oh, fuck,
3: it's not so long, uh, is it?
0: it is not sailor we are not doing sailor i'm not i'm not quite there yet for spooko (laughs) that's that's more sort of disturbo territory but what we're doing today is a film that has you know was released in 1978 like i said and has been passed down by weird cousins and older siblings ever since today we are doing faces
1: of death this video may be inappropriate for some users I understand and wish to proceed.
3: (laughs) Then I won't be able to watch it. Uh, What? I seriously won't, because I'm using my web computer.
2: In one brief moment, within the span of a heartbeat, your world could stop. There is no way to predict when you will become one of them. For the first time in cinema history, the greatest fear of all mankind will be graphically exposed. Now, a motion picture dares to take you beyond the threshold of the living, where you may discover your own face of death. Will introduce you to a world where the bizarre is not uncommon and the normal seems out of place. Just as racist, too, Mr. Never has a more written study of death been revealed to the motion picture audience. An exploration into a bloody world where violence creates an image not soon to be forgotten. If you have never thought about death, it's time you started thinking. Faces of Death Now a major motion
1: picture That's the worst preview we've seen I think that was fairly graphic And it fills you with anxiety When you're looking at what appears to be An actual operation
0: (laughs) Alright, let's talk about this, right? So... It's funny because that's 1978, right? Like, so that's, you know, that's more than 40 years old now. <sighs> it was created when a group of Japanese investors approached an American film company that said they wanted to do a Mondo film about death. Now, Mondo is a subgenre of exploitation that came out of the 60s from a film called Mondo Kane that's all about showing sort of like quasi documentaries about very sensational topics quite often of other cultures and quite often to your point about like racism are, like is a little bit like aren't other cultures like, weird sort of other of like, other so, shaming
1: sort of xenophobic yeah exactly
0: yeah. right so, so so these japanese investors came along and said you know we want you we're going to give you some money and we want you to create a mondo film about death primarily for the japanese market
3: but, Imagine the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a suitcase of money. Make something to make me vomit.
0: <laughs> and the weird thing was, right? So I looked at the inflation calculators of how much it was made for and how much it made. Mm. So the, the total investment they put into this film was $2 million of today's money, and it made $140 million off that. What? Which is insane, right? That's,
3: yeah, that's Blair Witch. That's, you know, the same sentence as Blair Witch. Touch seconds. Oh, It's bigger than a bunch of Marvel movies. Bigger than a bunch of Marvel movies.
0: (laughs) But when you watch it in today's context, it kind of makes sense, right? Because it's very pre-internet in that the whole film is very stream of consciousness and it feels very much like a YouTube binge. Because to be very clear, this is not necessarily a narrative film. It's It's sort of like a fake documentary about a pathologist who's studying death. It's also the very first found footage film because at the start, they're basically like everything you're going to see is real. Almost all of it's fake.
1: (laughs) I love stuff like that.
0: (laughs) There is some archival footage and they were allowed into a mortuary to film an autopsy. And so, so there are some things that are real, but almost all of it's fake. There's a few scenes that are very much sort of um, ...about animal cruelty... ...and I just want you to know from the get-go... ...that these scenes are fake... ...and I'll try and explain as we get through... ...you know exactly what was actually happening in this
3: Also,
1: I can't tell you how much more upsetting it was... ...when I formed a view that it was real... ...like I saw it and I was like... ah, oh, this. ...like each particular scene is real... ...and that was the degree of upsettingness.
0: Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god... M- ...another legal question... ...can I as a filmmaker... ...if I make a fake movie can I go everything that happened in this movie is real and sell it like it's a true story?
1: Okay. Am I allowed to conduct. do that legally? No. And
3: misleading conduct. You'll have, yeah. to, you'll have to talk to the <laughs> yeah. more influential lawyer for that one.
1: But, yeah, it's your boy. But, it's your big homie, Australian consumer law. Good luck.
3: So sometimes I listen to Spooko in the car when I'm taking the kids to daycare. And you've heard before, one of my sons, who's the littlest Spooko, likes to say, Resh's, what's up? Uh, so, <laughs> so I'm just I'm about to turn it off in the car if I'm listening to it. So can I say, boys, bye bye? And now I'm clicking it over and putting it into Beastie Boys or whatever it is. My yeah, son boys.
0: We love you, boys. Now have a lovely day, yeah. and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah. So okay, so at the time, I'm sorry, Resha's what's up? <laughs> Rhesus,
3: what's up?
0: So critics hated it at the time to the point where Gene Siskel of Siskel and Ebert said that of all the video nasties, this is the most popular nasty of them all and it's a piece of trash. Uh, He's like
1: Uh, the A.A. Gill of film reviews. He's a fucking idiot. Like, remember A.A. Gill, that like English food reviewer who was like, it tasted like a penguin ate a car (laughs) tyre and shattered out into a... Snowman's mouth, and then like <laughs> vomited it into us, like, and you're just like, fucking well done, like, like, well done, you fucking idiot.
0: Now, where this film became super popular was word of mouth. So, this film was released onto home video, sort of early 80s just as home video was starting to just skyrocket by, I think about halfway through the eighties, there were 70 million VHS players in America alone. So when I said before that this is a film that's been passed down by like weird older cousins since the end of time, that was very much how people heard about it. Someone had a friend of a friend who was like, have you seen this movie where like, there's actually like real murders in it. And that's how it spread and became a massive cult hit.
1: I'm just putting a big question mark or asterisk next to 140 million bucks. You can't make $140 million bucks from a pirated film. I'm just throwing that out there. Let's continue.
0: Wait, 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 wait. So it was released in video stores. And in 1985, this is a true story, the Associated Press interviewed a then-unknown Quentin Tarantino who was working at a video store. He revealed that Faces of Death is being rented out twice a week, which means it's almost always out.
1: I don't... I, I, I refuse and will not accept that solid rental numbers from an anecdotal young idiot (laughs) um, are going to found... $140 $140 million is...
0: Significant. In, so, so it's thirty-five million dollars in nineteen seventy-eight dollars. It's one hundred and four. So I've just well, all dude, I've done is. What is
1: Quentin nineteen eighty-five dollars doing to contribute to the <laughs> nineteen seventy-eight numbers? <laughs> but, this does it like I'm putting big question marks. i
0: laughing this. so much I knocked my headphones out. So, like this film was such a phenomenon that uh, Steven Spielberg later paid tribute to one of its scenes in one of the Indiana Jones movies, and you're going to know Whoa. exactly which scene it is when I read uh, it out.
1: Yes, I know already
0: know which one okay so now a little bit now we'd like to add nuance to these things and a little bit of context it it, it hasn't had a it hasn't had a perfect life cycle as a film so first of all in 1985 a teacher in a Californian school for some fucking reason forced his class to watch it and two students were like we don't want to watch this we want to leave and he's like no sit down you've got to watch the whole movie they ended up suing the school and split a hundred thousand dollar settlement get this though this is an interview from many years later of the two students who sued about where their lives had gone since they'd been forced to see faces of death as teenagers the past their lives have taken since seem curiously related I went through a phase where I had a huge morbid curiosity," uh, said student A, who considered becoming a coroner but ultimately went into the military. Student B, who became a paramedic, says the incident taught her a lesson: that life wasn't flowery and pretty and nice. Life was ugly, and I took that and went with it. Do you know? So, okay, do so you know,
3: when I was at uni in communications law or whatever garbage it was, I was not paying attention to. We were all forced to watch <laughs> Irreversible. The movie with Monica Bellucci. What?
0: Why were you forced to watch Irreversible? Because we're talking about
3: classification. <laughs> and so, yeah, like, that is a movie that will mess you up. So all yeah, of us are just sitting there watching but, well, this thing. <laughs> So shout out to University of New South Wales.
0: But also, surely, and universe, and I went there too. And uh, so, like, we are seriously being like, surely, you know, the point of teaching is sometimes you can explain things to people without, like, it's like being like, look, we can't teach you about murder law <laughs> without you murdering someone. So you know what it's like to actually have murdered someone. So here is Johnny M- <laughs> Blue. Anyway, so... All right. All right. Okay. The best. So, the, so, the
1: best teachers just. Don't summarise. I just give you the whole
0: thing. That's, All right, let's, let's go to it. the worst teachers now. This is actually the worst teacher I've ever heard of in my life. So, in 1986, and this is this is true, and this is actually kind of fucked. Well, not kind of fucked. Jake, the more fucked. you say this
1: is true, there's something in my brain that I might kill. <laughs> this, is, this is not true. No,
0: but in 1986, a 14-year-old student in Massachusetts in the US bludgeoned a schoolmate to death, apparently inspired by the film, and wanting to see what it would be like to kill someone. But but doing a little bit more research into this student and this is a true case stop saying that <laughs> like this no 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 no, no wait 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 wait, wait, wait. But, but wait wait till you hear this wait till you hear this so i definitely won't believe it based on what's come before so the teacher uh, of this student before he bludgeoned another student to death he was in high school cuz he was 14 mm and and this teacher had set up a box like an anonymous box to be like if you've got any questions you're concerned about anything you can send it you can ask me an anonymous question this student wrote this note which i'm going to read verbatim my problem is I like to do crazy things. I've been lighting fires all over the place. Lately, I've been wanting to kill people I hate and I've been wanting to light houses on fire. What should I do? And because it was the 80s, this teacher was like, oh, kids say the dumbest <laughs> things. The teacher was like, oh, this kid's joking. And did nothing about it.
1: I just don't believe that happened. So, like, I've got no, like, I've got no comment to
3: make because that's just made
2: up. It was 14 in
3: 1986, so how old would he be now? 1972, uh, 49. What? 52, 50? 50. He'd be 49 mm. years old. So there's a 49-year-old running around there who presumably hasn't gone over. Oh, no, the ship. no, he's still in jail.
0: I think he was tried as an adult, and yeah, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But anyway, so to finally,
1: 49. Sorry, I know we are the maths podcast. <laughs> anyway, sorry, forget about it. Let's go. <laughs>
0: So, it was. So, so this film was banned in Australia up until 2007, where it was passed with an R18 rating. But, like all successful horror films, it has at least three mainstream sequels, and there's a few others that are sort of, like, kind of not quite above the level. Uh, they have all been banned and have not been available to be shown in Australia. So, you can only see the original Faces of Death in Australia now. So... Who's ready to listen to the synopsis of Faces of no. Death? So I can tell you
3: why it might have shifted to R18 if you want. Yes, yes so, please do. So you've got to take into account context. So I don't know what the hell the decision was, but presumably because the special effects are dated or whatever, they might be thinking that uh, it's not going to have the impact that it might have had back in the 70s or 80s. So context can be interesting because it can be all the stuff that gets added on. So Salo, for example... Um, a film that I have not seen and don't want to see was I see for years and years and years until they released a DVD with a whole bunch of uh, explanatory material with So like the director's commentary over the top or something. And so because of that, they were allowed to classify it R.A.T.,
1: and so that will render me less shocked with well, it. Don't worry, this is just a dead, this is a CG, and don't worry, that's a prize, paper mache, and uh, don't I, worry about I think it's
0: more the line of it's like, look, this is a terrible scene, but what the director's trying to say is, and I'm pretty sure Salo's like, fascism's bad. Like, I think right. literally the point of Salo <laughs> is, <laughs> get fucked, fascism, we hate you. So, uh, w- one thing I do want to ask finally, though, because to that point of things being unbanned and what have you, a- and what Peach said this is probably the most upsetting trailer he's seen Mm. the members of the classification board the people who actually have to see these films and ban them are there ever any sort of lingering psychological
3: effects I suspect
1: they all listen to Spooko (laughs) so they should reach out to us and let us know
3: (laughs) it'd have to be I'm sure they get all I'm sure they get counselling like there'd be stuff that they see that's going to be vicarious trauma child child exploitation material and all that garbage and you know like you right. yeah anyway you do a good job, classification board. If you are listening, thanks. All right,
0: Faces of Faces of Death uh, from 1978, and he, a funny thing was uh, it was directed and written by the same guy, John Allen Schwartz, is the guy that owned that film company. But in the mm-hmm. film, he wrote all these pseudonyms for all the different things he did. So the director, someone different; the writer, someone different; the cinematographer, someone different. But he basically did the whole thing. Um, so.
3: It's all his on fault
0: an, So it starts with it starts with that scene you saw. It's we're on an operating table and there's an unnamed patient undergoing open heart surgery Ugh. and you know the the, the the chest cavity is cut open and we're seeing a heart beat. And then we we cut to pathologist France, Francis B. Gross, who states <laughs> <laughs> Francis B. Gross.
3: He do be gross. Yeah. He
1: do be gross. What do you mean?
0: And keep it like there is no there is no levity in this film. This is the most serious film I've ever seen in my life. So oh, so you've seen it? He states I, I skimmed it to, you can watch it on YouTube. Literally Google Faces of Death, it's on YouTube. No, thank you. So pathologist Francis B. Gross states to the viewer that he has become interested with the transitional periods of life and death thanks to a recurring dream. Here's a crude footage from several parts of the world in an effort to better understand and study the many faces of death. So from the beginning, it's setting it up to be like this is a serious scientific study and everything you're going to see is real. So in Mexico, has captured the mummified corpses of the deceased inhabitants of uh, Guana, Guanajuato, as well as footage of a dog fight between two pit bulls. So let's stop here. I, I, I watched this dog fight after reading about how they shot it. It's literally two dogs playing, but they've just cut it a couple of times to make and just added these like <laughs> growl, 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 like <laughs> effects, and then they cut to a dog lying on the ground with all this like fake blood on it to be like, and that's why dog fight, and they're. Like you might think dog fighting's evil, but dogs have been bred to hate each other for our amusement or something like that. It's just it's really
1: dumb. Oh, so we've got a we've got a narrator, do we?
0: Like, yeah. Now let's it's, see it's, another It's face like a of fake. Death. It's a fake documentary, but the narrator is this pathologist who's like, these are all the faces. of <laughs> It's like basically like here's all the faces of death. Here's them. <laughs> Hope you <enjoy>
1: the documentary.
0: <laughs> he next examines the natural predators of the Amazon rainforest and the ways in which they kill their prey. Footage. Of, and this is this Steven Spielberg footage of a live monkey being killed and its brain being eaten by guests of a banquet is also
3: shown. No, that that scene in Temple of Doom, that is bananas that that exists. Most oh, racist completely, shit. Right? <laughs> completely. It's
0: so amazing. Completely. And we're completely. all <laughs> And and, and like to be honest, you know, watching this again and obviously I skinned through the film, but I watched the gross bits and it looks pretty real, but it was just cauliflower in a paper mache head.
3: Chilled monkey brains.
0: But it's 1978, right? And you're being told this is real. You haven't seen the Blair Witch project. It's like 20 years, to, you know, in the future. So how else are you supposed to know that this isn't
1: real? The Australian Consumer Law isn't even out yet. You're relying <laughs> on the Trade Practices Act. You know, it's it's tough times for misleading deceptive conduct.
0: But what I think is kind of crazy is if you watched Temple of Doom in the 80s and you saw Temple of Doom, you wouldn't be like, whoa, what a crazy scene. You'd be like, oh. Uh, nice much. to Faces of Death, Steven
2: Spielberg. Bloody hell.
0: So, later on, a man is killed by an alligator, an act that Gross calls a violent retaliation from a creature who has suffered continued abuse from mankind. Now, again, this is like this is like one of the dumbest scenes because mm. it's lots of quick cuts and close-ups of a guy going, help, and then close-ups of an alligator going, like, rawr, <laughs> and then apparently he died. Yeah, all-
1: alligators' roars are worse than their bites. <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> So Gross next narrates over recordings of human deaths, the only species who kill for greed. Assassin Francois Jordan is interviewed, and he's interviewed wearing, like, a full face covering, the sort of thing Drake wears in all his video clips now when he's in, like, the Toronto winter.
3: (laughs) Just surely other animals kill for greed. Like, if they want... (laughs) (laughs) Like, if you want... If you're a gorilla who wants the other gorilla's bananas or whatever, wouldn't that gorilla kill?
0: Surely that's the first reason any
3: animal killed another animal. I want what you've got. I want. I want to eat you. (laughs) (laughs) That's a pretty great life. anyway. Sorry, (laughs) I don't mean to point out the faults with Faces of Death.
1: Rob like you're listening to renowned pathologist Francis McGros. So, so what your time.
3: Now assassin
0: Francois Jordan is interviewed, admitting that he kills solely for payment, not for political or social value. Not for social value. Social
2: value.
1: <laughs> I don't
0: invest in killing. However, Gross next introduces another type of killer, the one who kills for no apparent reason. A gunfight ensues between an armed murderer and a SWAT team, ending in the murderer being shot. The SWAT team entering the killer's house to find his family stabbed to death. Again, this is all fake. Gross questions if the man's actions were caused by society. I think pretty much every pop punk band oh from the nineties would say yes to that.
2: Oh my god!
0: <laughs> Soon after, gross exhibits but, like, video-
1: Sorry, can we just do it like a trio, like retrospective trigger warning about domestic violence, like.
0: Yeah. Like, yep, yep. Fucking. Yep yep, hell. yep, 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 yep. Uh, soon a-
1: Yeah, I don't know. I see, oh
0: so- soon yeah, after, we- Gross exhibits video footage of criminal Larry De Silva being executed by electric chair. Now again, like there's a close up of a guy and he's got the sort of face thing they have to keep you in place and then he starts bleeding from his eyes and it's just like theater blood. Mm-hmm. But it looks it looks pretty even now, that that scene actually looks pretty convincing. And if someone had told me this is actual footage, like grainy film stock footage from the seventies I might believe it. Ugh. So, footage of several more tragic accidents is shown, both animal and human, culminating in a segment focusing on vehicle accidents, which was uh, that Simpsons episode where, you know, Marge is forced, or maybe Homer is forced to go to a safe driving course and they're shown a montage of bad vehicle accidents. I imagine that's an homage to this.
1: I thought uh, that was um, Clockwork Orange, which I also haven't seen and have no desire no, to No, no,
0: different, different, different scene, different scene. Okay. Yeah, Uh, including a scene in which a wing walker attempts a parachute jump from his plane but dies after the parachute fails to open properly. Gross disputes the notion that the death was quick and painless as the jumper would have been conscious and aware for the entire fall to the ground. The segment ends with photographs, footage, and air traffic control audio from the crash of PSA Flight 182 and its aftermath. Now, that is actual real what the footage.
1: What going on in this film? Like, <laughs> I, like, I'm all at sea. Like, we're just, we're just going to a few different deaths. And he's like, Here's my, here my thoughts.
0: So, so two things, two things, right? So, number one, they're just faces of death. But number two, like I said is, before. Like, do we even get into faces? But, but number two, this is what I said before, right? This is This is a pre-internet YouTube hole. Where someone is going, like, someone starts looking up death and they're jumping from one video to the other and being like, you know, traffic accidents and, you know, ritual slaughter and animals being killed and blah, blah, blah. So Gross introduces his next topic, the idea that supernatural forces could exist. (laughs) he meets with architect joseph binder whose wife and son both died under tragic circumstances he confides in the viewer that he believes that his deceased family remain as ghosts in his house and attempts to communicate with him gross enlists the services of parapsychologists to verify this and the team later manages to spot footprints and take photographs of the two apparitions Binder later communicates with the spirits of his family through a medium, seemingly confirming the existence of life after death. Now, this is all presented as documentary, but once again, this is probably the fakest part of it. Like, this looks ridiculous. But is is part of faces just another of face death. of death. Look,
2: it's just another face of death.
0: You know, what else can we do? What else can we say? So at the end, Gross remarks that after studying Binder's case, he has concluded even when we die, it isn't really the end. The soul in each of us remains a traveller forever. Gross ends by questioning if death is the end of the beginning or Didn't the beginning. Didn't he be- just say it wasn't the end? <laughs>
3: So he, he borrowed from Billy Corgan in like 1997 yeah, Billy he, the end is the beginning is the end <laughs> radio <laughs> 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 <inaudible> <inaudible> wait, wait,
0: wait 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 so at the end of this plot synopsis it says he leaves the footage of what he has shown up to the viewers interpretation but that is not the actual end of the film so I am going to link both of you to the uh. actual end. Of, no, no, you need to see this because as soon as I saw the actual end of this film, I was like, "Oh wow, Spooko has to cover this." So I am gonna get the link to this. I'm gonna drop it in the chat, and oh, I want man. both of you to just watch it. Uh, Rob, you might. In fact, Rob, you might not able, be able to watch it. But Paige, I want you to watch this, and just you know,
2: just time to
0: just up. tell me your thoughts and feelings on this.
2: <sighs> well, I'm A upset. Circle that forever repeats itself. The end of the beginning or the beginning of the end. I'll leave that decision to you.
1: It looks like we're having birth, it looks like we're giving birth, but a lot of pain. And then relief. So we're just on a sort of a woman's head and shoulders. It appears to be in a hospital bed. Gag, baby. Baby sound. We haven't seen the baby. Nice plinky plunky music. An autumn day with leaves falling. What well, I feel like we're in Yosemite, sun breaking through the trees. What is going on?
0: So Being this film, Flower. So after he goes like you decide what death means, it ends with a woman giving birth and then Oh my god like... no, That's it <laughs> Yes.
1: These nature shots.
0: Yeah, I think no, 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 so. No, no, like no, wait, wait, the seasons of life. Faces of Death ends with a woman giving birth, like to show, I guess, the cycle of life. And then, like beautiful shots of nature and a song that's like, life is an amazing thing. <laughs> Uh, things happen and things pass, but life will always remain. Like it's nothing about gi- death. Like isn't the whole fucking thing about death? <laughs> it's like a twist ending, but it's actually about life.
1: But I, like I couldn't even tell you that was a horror film based on the end there,
0: <laughs> or a
3: found footage film at the bottom of a pre-YouTube YouTube hole. So, what's the but, filmmaker? You're
0: peach-
3: Fourteen years old.
0: So so, so can I, can I tell you a little bit about the filmmaker who was interviewed a couple of years ago by The Guardian and was asked, what did he think about the legacy of the film he created? And his direct quote is, I don't know if it's a source of pride, but we did a good job of fooling people.
1: Cool. Fooling the Japanese businessman investors that you're referring to <laughs> or the $140 million paying gate yeah okay
0: no well apparently uh, there's another thing and it's like it's not that important but apparently when he showed the investors like the first rushes of footage they were like so excited they were, he was like this is ridiculous how am I ever going to sell this and they were like this is the shit yes more of this so I think the whole time he was surprised. He was as much a surprise. It was a success as you are right now, Pitch.
1: I would have refused classification. This one would have been <laughs> a classic RC, and I wouldn't have even <laughs> Lazy Gray style, style. It would have stayed banned in Queensland and in every other state as well. What is Salo about? Is the other thing I've got on my mind.
0: So Salo, like, let's we maybe we'll do it one day. It's it's a, a it's a retelling of a Marquis de Sade story. That's about a bunch of like fascist officers take a bunch of teenagers to a castle in the woods and spend 120 days like torturing them and like sexually abusing them. Okay. Like that's literally what the movie's about, and that's why I'm like I made that sort of joke before. Shout out to all the Salo heads that got it, but <laughs> it's it's kind of it's kind of dumb to be like that's what you see in the film, but what it's actually saying is fuck fascism, which is like, yeah, well, I mean, is it saying that? It's anyway, a long so,
3: walk around to a pretty simple point. So.
0: Yeah, exactly, right? Th- but this Peach, is the spit, right, on, but...
1: spit on your grave argument, I presume. Sorry, go.
0: Exactly, but back to this, Peach. Rob, faces of death, what did we think?
1: Was it even a horror film? It like clicks through my head. Especially with a happy ending. Especially with like an aggressively happy ending. <laughs> a
3: really jarring happy
1: ending.
3: <laughs> yeah. Doesn't a horror film require like a narrative thread or something?
0: Well, I mean, does it? So so there's 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 I guess I guess we I've talked about this on the last couple of episodes. There's a couple of horror films that I won't see or talk about because I actually think they might be damaging to the psyche and there's this weird sort of semi-genre of gonzo Japanese uh, horror films called I think Flower of Flesh and Blood that are literally about a guy dressed as a samurai just killing someone and mm. they go for like 40 minutes and they're classified as horror and if you go into like horror, you know, most disturbing horror films of all time the Flower of Flesh and Blood series will always be up there oh, and God. to me they feel like something that comes after something like Faces of Death
3: do you know, so I saw Bone Tomahawk, which I think you guys have covered in the past. I'll just be walking down the street and that scene from Bone Tomahawk will just flash into my head, no matter where we're going. They, because your they, psyche's been damaged. These movies like, this is absolutely absurdity. can mess you up. So, I hate to imagine what the Samiro one. Hey,
0: how shit are our brains, though? That our brains are like, oh, this disturbing image, that's something I need to remember <laughs> and bring up in weird times in your life. It's like, yep, this is, this is helping you function I, as I, an animal. All I think
3: right. it's your brain saying, avoid this, avoid getting bisected by cannibals in a cave.
1: Oh Yeah, no, we need help from a pathologist with some real expertise <laughs> to, to examine stuff like this.
0: All right, okay, 2021's most influential lawyer, you've got a hearing. I have to go to a brainstorm. Rob, you have to go to your unnamed job that we don't know what you do and do something in a country that may or may not be Australia. Guys, thank you. And rashes. was
2: What's, What's up?
1: Uh, This was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can.
0: And Resh's, what's up?